I'm Holm Himmler and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. Listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics, and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 399. I'm your host, Annika Harrison, and with me this week is my co host, Pontus Bergmann. Hallo! See ya and hey san, hey san. We don't have any Anrush tonight. Yes! He's uh, off traveling the world again, I think. As so, he is uh, known to be doing all the time. So we exactly. miss you, Andras. Come back yeah. home, travel safely. But I think we will have a interesting uh, episode anyway. So we'll, the show must go on. Exactly. But Andras, please come back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and something I want to come back to is Skepcon. Uh, Skepcon 2024 will happen in May. We still have a bit of time, of course, to happen before that. Um, mm -hmm. But the call for papers is out. Okay. So anyone who speaks German and who can do any kind of presentations about fake news, conspiracy theories, esoterics, irrational claims in politics, economy, science, the society about 5G, about critical thinking, you name it. Um, <laughs> so, like, What I'm hearing is that any irrational person who can speak German is welcome to talk. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> so now we put the link to the call for papers mm -hmm. in the show notes. And yeah, I'll, I think I'll be really happy to see anyone uh, who wants to either talk at Skepcon to reply to that or to go to Skepcon in Augsburg and to catch up with people. Yeah. So that, Do we have the dates really as well? Cool. Uh, yes, it will be from the 9th to the 11th of May in uh, 2024. Mm, so yeah, hopefully good. see you there. And another place, a lot of skeptics like to catch up is of course the ceremony of das goldene brett the golden board of ignorance in front of your head mm -hmm. <laughs> and that happened last week in vienna but because i couldn't go there of course we took a lot of effort <laughs> and asked holm hümmler who was there to tell us a bit about it so let's enjoy what holm hümmler had to say Every now and then we interview skeptics about their work or the happenings in their country or country of residence. And today we've invited Dr. Holm Hümmler back to the show, who has been on the show a few times already. Holm studied physics and uh, worked at Max Planck Society. He is very prolific in science communication too, wrote several books and has been active in the German skeptics group GWP, which he's chairing now. And he's with us to talk about something that happened a few days ago, Holm. Right? Is that right? Uh, yes, thanks, Annika. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Welcome back, Holm. 
And when we say a few times, I think we have done at least one interview with you and we will link that in the show notes. And, mm-hmm, and, uh, exactly. So I don't know how, how many times you've been on, but we talk about you quite a lot. <laughs> Believe <laughs> yes. it or not. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you were um, on episode 84, so quite some time ago. Ah. I think it was approaching Rochwar to prepare for, for the European Skeptics Congress in Poland in 2017. So that was quite a while ago. Things have changed. And we talked about the Goldene Spread before. And that happened last week, right? Yeah, the awards uh, were handed out last week. And um, yeah, it was an interesting evening. More more interesting than was planned, but still good. (laughs) Okay, okay. So maybe we should tell the listeners the basic stuff first. So... What is that for anyone who doesn't know and who uh, who won it this time? Is it is it an honor to win this? <laughs> uh, well, not quite. Um, the Goldenes Brett is, is named after the uh, the German uh, idiom uh, Brett vorm Kopf, which means that you you have a board in front of your head so you don't see through. And uh, what the Austrian skeptics do is they give out an award that uh, says. Uh, the golden uh, board in front of your head. So um, it's uh, for for the people who really, really don't see through and um, <laughs> mm. uh, spread uh, unscientific or anti-scientific nonsense. They ask for nominees for nominations first, then they have a short list of three and uh, out of this uh, short list, one gets the award. Plus then there's another Award, which has been uh, introduced a couple of years ago for the lifetime work, uh, which is also not something that you really want to get. And um, there is an, an audience award too. Mm. So, okay. yeah, but the most the most important uh, thing, of course, is the the main Goldenes Blood Award, uh, which uh, is quite a quite a thing. It has become quite a thing over the last mm-hmm. ten years. So, yeah, and it happened in Vienna, right? So that's a an Austrian based thing, right? It's an, an idea of the of the Austrian skeptics, mm-hmm. and while uh, GVUP is supporting it, it's it's really an Austrian thing, and it's mm-hmm. it's their idea and their their thing that they do, and it's usually most of the nominees are Austrian, and mm. usually the winners are Austrian too, which was not the case this time, although uh, that person has spent some time in Austria. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, now we mentioned them several times, but who won? The person who won was Ulrike Giro, who is a, a professor in the, in the political field and uh, has been spreading all kinds of conspiracy myths and, and during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. then basically from the pandemic went straight on to declaring uh, NATO the aggressor in Russia's attack on Ukraine. So uh, we see a certain connections there between conspiracy beliefs and... Oh, it's funny how that happens. If you believe in one conspiracy, you believe in them all. Yeah, <laughs> at least in at least in, in uh, several of them usually. And uh, mm. she's also been uh, blamed of plagiarism in the fa- in the past. And so there there have been quite a few stories going around her. Uh, although she she wasn't really so much the news of the evening, I would say. Mm-hmm. So what was Ooh. that? Because <laughs> I watched the live stream and I couldn't believe my ears, <laughs> so to say. So what, so what was the actual news? Well, well what, what actually happened was that the, the 
fringy group of anti-vaxxers tried to use the goldenest bread to promote themselves. So the first thing that they had tried was to nominate themselves. So they had, had kind of mass nominated their own organization, which didn't work out. I mean, they weren't shortlisted. So they had to come up with some other idea to kind of take the stage. So they bought tickets and uh, showed up in a large group and uh, made a lot of noise, which basically, yeah, was all, all there was. So they were briefly, one of them uh, was admitted to the stage to issue a statement in the hopes that uh, that would end the entire thing, but it didn't really keep the, the others from, from making noise. What really... Uh, silenced them pretty much was one of the speakers on stage, Heidi Kastner, who was really smart in her replies and mm -hmm. kind of made two, two or three good replies and then they turned a lot more quiet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't have to expel them from the room. They, they were allowed to stay. We, yeah. Well, it wasn't a uh, give you a peace decision. Of course, it was the local organizers who decided that. And I mean, probably we, They, they could have expelled them. I mean, there were plenty of reason for that, but they, they didn't. And it, it didn't really disturb the evening that much. Um, and it, mm -hmm. it, it made some interesting things clear that, well, aren't really surprising to people who've been looking into conspiracy myths. But, uh, I mean, they showed very, very clearly that the anti-vax movement is uh, very closely tied to general conspiracy belief because they, they generally applauded any kind of conspiracy nonsense that uh, was quoted and uh, that that was mentioned on stage. You couldn't make it absurd enough that they weren't happy about it. So, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit more about the setting. How, how This is a big hall. How many people were there? Yeah, I would say about about 200, 200, 300 people fit in that room and it was pretty full. Or actually, it was sold out mm. um, in part because uh, a group of anti-vaxxers <laughs> bought up a bunch of tickets. <laughs> okay, we're happy to take their money. Yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's what the organizers said in the end. Okay, I mean, they paid for, for their tickets, so they, they did actually help us in the end. So it's a very nice room, looks classy and it has a, has a nice stage. And uh, yeah, it's... It was it's a, part of the Austrian university, or no? It's actually a, a, a theater that is normally used for for satirical shows and and readings and comedy uh -huh. and things okay. like that. Okay, so it was they they contributed to a bit of a comedy. They, they did, they did definitely contribute <laughs> to the comedy. Yes. What was this filmed as well, or live streamed, or or somehow? It's yeah. been uh, over the documented. last couple of years. It's been live streamed, and uh, it's also you can you can watch it on YouTube too, if you mm -hmm. if you understand mm -hmm. German. Yeah. What was it picked up by the news at all? Zavos TV was actually there. That's an, an mm -hmm. Austrian private TV channel that is has been known for spreading uh, some odd conspiracy beliefs too and was closely linked to covid deniers uh, during the pandemic not all the journalists there are that way and uh, the organizers said that the uh, the the main journalist who was uh, there doing the recording was uh, known to be uh, not one of the conspiracy believers but uh, yes they they were actually the the news channel that uh, was present so we did we did get a bit of attention. Mm. I saw that there were also a few newspapers like Austrian newspapers picked it up. Yeah. Mostly about the disturbers, <laughs> so to say. Yeah. But I have also seen just a little shout out to GSOW that uh, Goldness Brett is already on the Wikipedia page of Ulrike Guerrero. 
So there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, okay, yeah, Wikipedia is quick. <laughs> yeah, home. Uh, last question I would have is: Would you go again? Can you recommend going to Goldenes Brett? Was it was it good? <laughs> oh, definitely. It's it's a fun evening. They have a comedian uh, doing the announcements, and uh, they have they have a lot of good speakers there, and the whole thing is fun and satirical and, and it's meant to be a kind of a lighthearted thing it's not not bashing somebody badly it's really really just making fun of things and mm. taking nonsense the way that uh, you should probably take it if you want to stay sane with a laugh <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I, i think it's good to point out once in a while why we think that certain things are nonsense and, and that it's actually harmful as well Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Holm, I think we kept you long enough. We don't want to keep you the whole evening, <laughs> although it's always great to talk to you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, and thank you for telling us all about Goldness Brett 2023. All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, it, it seemed it was a long time since we had on, on the show, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't realize yeah. we've mentioned him and of course we've met him and yeah. uh, but he, he is a very prolific skeptic he is very active in the german mm -hmm. skeptics movement yes. and always a delight to to talk to and if i only knew a little bit more german i would also read his books <laughs> <laughs> there is rumor that there might be translations but um we will uh, see in the future what happens yeah, there. hopefully so with that done i'm wondering Pontus, we don't have an Andras here, but do we have a Twish? Yes, we do. So the day that this episode goes out is Friday the 13th. So a oh. very su superstitious uh, mm -hmm. day. I think almost everybody, at least in, in the Western culture, has heard about the myth that it is a very unlucky day. When I grew up, I also heard that it was especially unlucky for the month of October, which of course doesn't happen every year. And uh, it happens to be Friday the 13th of October as this show goes out. Mm -hmm. uh, but I should say also, I did look for the reference of October. It seems to be a local thing because it doesn't, <laughs> I couldn't find that on the internet. So maybe mm -hmm. any, any Friday the 13th is considered unlucky. So the question, I had to look into this. Why, why is this? Well, I think partly it is because the number 13, if we start with the number 13, it's very uneven. Mm -hmm. It's a prime number, not very useful in mathematics, as opposed to 12, which is very divisible, if that's a word. You can divide it by 1, 2, 3, 4, and 6, whereas 13, you can only divide by 1 and 13. Mm -hmm. And lots of business, traditionally, I guess, were made by the dozen, as they say. So slipping an extra 13th item in by mistake could be a mm -hmm. bit unlucky for the seller, at least. It would be luck yeah. for, the, for the receiver, of course. Yeah. Isn't that like so, a baker's uh, dozen, too? <laughs> baker's dozen, yes, that's right. And that's not considered unlucky. So it may yeah, not exactly. be always... Uh, but there's still a fear of the number 13. You, you often see that in airplanes... Mm -hmm. There's no row 13. It goes mm -hmm. from 12 to 14. Mm -hmm. Lots of hotels yeah. have no 13th floor, which of course they do have it, but they just call it the 14th yeah. floor, <laughs> which is ridiculous. 
it even has a name. Uh, the, do you know the name? The the what you call the fear of uh, the number thirteen? It was. I think it starts with like door dig car, so something like that. Well, but, uh, almost, almost. It's called <laughs> Triskaidekaphobia. Yeah, that's where the Kodokade came from. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, so Deka, I think, is 10, and mm -hmm. Tris is probably 3. I don't yeah. know. This is Greek, and I don't know Greek. But <laughs> a phobia, we know what a phobia mm -hmm. is. So. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. A lot of people have speculated into why mm -hmm. this is unlucky, and it's been li linked to Norse mythology. Apparently, there's a story about 12 gods having dinner or a dinner party in Valhalla when mm -hmm. Loki suddenly shows up as the uninvited 13th <laughs> god and creates havoc and, and a big mess. There's been attempts to link it to the Last Supper with Jesus and the 12 disciples. That makes 13 people at the table. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, also, this is on a Thursday, so it's the day before a Friday. So maybe the 13th number sort of indicates that the next day will be unlucky, but that's stretching it a little bit. And in mm -hmm. any case, Christian's... <laughs> called it the Good Friday, not Bad Friday. So uh, yeah. I don't know if it has anything to do with that. And in fact, fear of Friday the 13th, the special The Day, doesn't seem to be as old as you might think. It's never as old as you think, I think. No, no, it's, it's, all these Asian, ancient myths, they actually mm -hmm. were invented yesterday. Yeah, yes. Or not quite. But um, very often you hear how the Order of the Knights Templar were attacked mm -hmm. and in effect dissolved and massacred on Friday the 13th of October again mm -hmm. in 1307. And this was an attack uh, initiated by King Philip IV of France, supported by Pope Clement V. But why that would make that specific day unlucky for everybody else, that's hard to say. I mean, every every bad thing happens on a certain weekday and a certain date. So why pick this special event? Actually, you have to go to the 1800s before you really find this in writing. And one mm -hmm. of the oldest references is in a biography of the Italian composer Giochino Rossini, who mm -hmm. happened to die on Friday the 13th of November 1868. And in the biography that came out the year after, the author writes... Quote, Rossini was surrounded to the last by admiring friends, and if it be true that, like so many Italians, he regarded Fridays as an unlucky day and 13 as an unlucky number, it is remarkable that on Friday the 13th of November he passed away. End quote. <laughs> so, in this passage, the author claims that Friday is supposed to be an unlucky day and 13 is supposed to be an unlucky number, but it seems like a bit unusual to connect the two. Mm -hmm. So at, by his time, I guess, in the mid-1800s, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing, Friday mm -hmm. the 13th. So uh, we don't know exactly where it comes from, of course. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, of course, is it unlucky? You have to look at the data, the science of it. Mm -hmm. And there have, of course, been studies done to see whether there are more accidents on Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. And uh, spoiler, no doesn't seem to be. <laughs> Funnily enough, the Dutch Center for Insurance Statistics in 2008 stated the following, quote, fewer accidents and reports of fire and theft occur when the 13th of the month falls on a Friday than on other Fridays, because people are preventatively more careful or just stay at home. Statistically speaking, 
driving is slightly safer on Friday the 13th, mm -hmm. at least in the Netherlands. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, at least if you live in Netherlands, <laughs> you don't have to be afraid of um, Friday the 13th. And I don't Afri think yeah. we skeptics yeah. are either. But it's a fun myth. <laughs> And it's a fun uh, date. Like, I think otherwise we wouldn't talk about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like usually if, if I see, oh, Friday the 13th, <laughs> you just pick it up because mm. of this, this myth and everything surrounding it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, you, if you're listening to this episode the day that it comes out, you shouldn't be afraid. But it doesn't hurt if you take the Dutch example and be a little bit more careful than usual because you should actually always be. Yes, just be careful always, except for when you're jumping off an airplane with a parachute, then you be extra careful. Okay, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Yes, because you do it very often, I've heard. Well, that's how rumors start, right? <laughs> I can neither confirm or deny this allegation. Yeah, and about talking about allegations, Pontus, I heard a rumor that there might be a Pope today that we can talk about and poke him, or maybe not. So, what is it, Pontus? No, I don't. I think I know. It's been several weeks, or maybe a month, since I talked about the Pope, and he's deep involved now with the Synod of Synodality that's been <laughs> advertised for so long. Mm -hmm. But nothing really interesting has come out of that yet. So. Mm -hmm. I think we'll just skip the Pope this week. Okay, he can rest a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll be happy to not be poked then. And that means we should go right over to the news. All right. So uh, here comes something that we have been talking about for a long time. Do we remember Paolo Macchiarini? Yes, I heard. I definitely remember the name, yes. <laughs> yes. So for people who have forgotten or haven't kept track, this is somebody we've talked about for a long time. He is the disgraced Italian surgeon that claimed that he had tested and developed a new method to replace the trachea in people. So inside the, the throat, really, mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. or the, where you, the part that you breathe through, rather. Mm -hmm. And he could do that without the body of the patient rejecting the implant because he coated the implant in stem cells from the actual patient. That was the idea. And he claimed that he had proved it. He claimed that he had uh, done successful tests in animals and it was all very, very promising and it worked very well. Well, it didn't work. Uh, the tragic thing is he used his fraudulent research to mm -hmm. get permission to try this on several people, uh, patients. And what we now know is that he, in effect, performed experimental research on yeah. humans, which is terrible. He did uh, perform eight operations on humans with a plastic trachea that was covered with stem cells. Mm -hmm. And according to Wikipedia, seven of them are no longer alive, and uh, the fate of the th last one, the eighth one, is not known, at least not to Wikipedia. And you, you shouldn't dig into people's uh, private life anyway, so mm -hmm. that's fine, but didn't go very well. Earlier this year, uh, Macchiarini was convicted by a Swedish appeal court, so this was the second layer of the courts. He was uh, sentenced to two and a half years in prison, 
based on his fraudulent research and because he did these operations. And that was actually based only on three of the uh, operations. Uh, He has appealed, so he's not in prison at the moment. He has appealed to the Swedish Supreme Court, but it is unknown at this point if they will hear the case. So these are the operations with plastic Mm -hmm. implants. But before that, he also attempted the same procedure using donated organs. Mm-hmm. Same procedure in, in principle. He prepared them with stem cells of the patient. It's not a crazy idea. It's just that you have to mm-hmm. make sure that it works before you try it on real meat people. Yeah. And the news now is that last week, another scientific research paper he did has been withdrawn. So uh, a lot of the other papers have been withdrawn, of course, when it was uh, revealed that it was all fraudulent. This last paper is in The Lancet, and it is documenting an earlier patient, which was with a donated organ. And the paper is about, it. I guess it's a case study, because it's following up how everything went for that patient after the operation. And according to the paper, everything goes very well. The operation is a success, and it wasn't. The paper claims that the patient was free from any complications four months after the operation, when in fact the patient had to undergo new surgery to put a metal net around the trachea to stabilize it, to make it Mm -hmm. stay in place. So it was far from without complications. And uh, also in this paper, three of the images have been shown not to be from that patient. So they are not, not relevant, but they are presented as if they are so Macchiarini was dishonest even before he started with the plastic things. He put false pictures and false information in this published paper. So yeah, terrible story never seems to end. We mm-hmm. always come back to new things that comes up about Macchiarini that wasn't good. And uh, if people don't remember, I should like to remind everyone that the heads of the Karolinska Institute, which he uh, was uh, employed with at the time, got Swedish Skeptics Confounder of the Year Award in Mm -hmm. 2016. We've been monitoring this for a long time. As as you should, like well-deserved, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got another recap, too, and mm-hmm. it's about Reichsbürger, sovereign citizens, that uh, I talked about a few episodes and several episodes ago because they were the ones that tried to abduct the health minister, Karl Lauterbach. The Reichsbürger, or we can maybe call them sovereign citizens or whatever, they don't believe in the actual democracy and power of the state of Germany. And they are now in front of the courts. There were raids and there were other people taken into custody, into legal custody. They did raids in Rhineland-Palatine, Northern Westphalia, Thuringia, Hesse, Bavaria and Baden-Württemberg. <laughs> so you can, just by the numbers of federal countries I just mentioned, you can see that it was a big thing and have some people in jail now and others are in front of the court now. They detained people that either wanted to destroy the electrical system, the electrical network in Germany, or others were also wanted to experiment with things that can detonate. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we will see what, what happens next. Uh, the health minister actually thanked the uh, police and to- basically told them, like, thanks for 
doing a good job that I'm I haven't been abducted so to say yeah I'll keep everyone updated in what happens there and uh, when once they get a sentence and so on yeah but this is an example of how you can see how conspiracy theories actually mm -hmm. are dangerous because yeah people get convinced And they feel it's justified to take these extreme measures mm -hmm. because they don't believe in reality. Yes. This is my tip for everybody listening. Believe in reality. I think that's a good <laughs> mm -hmm. advice. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go back to another subject that we've mentioned before. Uh, something that happened back in 1994, but it's very current in the media at the moment in Sweden. And that is the Estonia disaster. Estonia, not as in the country, but as mm -hmm. in the ship that went under in hard weather in the middle of the night on its way from Tallinn in Estonia to Stockholm in Sweden. And it was a big tragic. There was 989 people on board and 852 were lost. So it was a really a traumatic incident for everybody in Sweden, I think, because it's Sweden is a small country. Everybody knew somebody who knew someone who was on the ship and people lost their parents and, and uh, relatives and friends. Uh, it was mm -hmm. terrible. And naturally, with a, such a big thing, people will not accept that it was just an accident. So there's been conspiracy theories brewing from almost from day one. But we knew, and in the official news, we could hear already on the second day or the day after it happened, we knew roughly what had happened. The front of the ship was damaged in the hard waves because it was not dimensioned for that kind of sea. So mm. the the door, if you will, or or the visor, it's called, was broken mm. off, and water just flowed into the car deck where all the cars were parked. And in less than an hour, the whole ship went down, went under. Mm -hmm. And there's been speculation all along that this was not the correct uh, idea. There are theories about uh, submarine attacks. Intentional explosions or other sabotage. There's been talk about secret transports of the former Soviet era military equipment and things. You know, people find all kinds of ideas like that. The problem is that there is no reason to question the big... I mean, there's always reason to be skeptical. We are called skeptics, but mm. the official story makes a lot of sense yeah. and the conspiracy theories do not. In 2020, there was a um, new documentary which created a new interest in this. This so-called documentary, I should say, was very, very much clickbaity. It was just asking questions. It brought up all these rumors and actually changed and falsified certain data. They put questions out there in the documentary without telling people that actually we know the answer to this and it wasn't what you are implying that it is. And this documentary got a big journalistic prize for being the, what do they call it, the reveal of the year or something like that, if you translate it. The Swedish skeptics, on the other hand, we were not very impressed with this. So we gave both the jury of this, the journalist jury and the documentary, we gave them the Confounder of the Year Award in 2021. Mm -hmm. The thing is that This has restarted all these conspiracy theories again. So the internet is very full of it. There will be a TV drama 
that will air in about uh, a month's time or a couple of weeks' time now, actually, which seems very speculative. And uh, that is uh, it's very unfortunate because it creates a lot of harm for the people who lost people or their friends, family in, in the tragic accident. Mm. And this is basically you are removing people's right to grieve in peace. You're always reminded, you always hear this nonsense. Either you believe it or you get very frustrated for these theories to be brought up all the time and reading about it in the papers all the time. On Monday the 9th, so this week, there was a good documentary sent uh, by the Swedish state television called Estonia and the Myths. And it went through again all the data we know, because all of this information is public. Uh, you can go in and see the commission who investigated every, all of it. It's all public information. And so they go through all of this. They go through the most common conspiracy theories and they point out why they cannot be true. And of course, the conspiracy theorists go nuts about this. We, in the Swedish skeptics, have done what we can. We, in, we, did, we have done interviews, we have published articles on our webpage and, and things like that. But that means just that we are part of the conspiracy and we are bought by somebody. I was called on the internet the other day a right-wing tinfoil hat liar. That's uh, wow. <laughs> a new. That's a new title. I I thought I was left wing, but uh, apparently not. I usually am uh, accused of being a communist, but maybe I'm a right wing communist. Then I, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing they say makes any sense. Anyway, I do. I think actually I will put the link in the show notes if people are interested. The article that I wrote for yesterday uh, is in Swedish, but with Google Translate, it makes a lot of sense. Google Translate works very well for Swedish to English text. So you will understand 99% of everything written there and see also links to other things. I don't think it will ever go away. This trauma, this is a national trauma. This is mm -hmm, our Titanic, yeah. really. And uh, with all the conspiracy theories out there, this will never die, I'm afraid. But we will have to keep fighting it, fighting mm -hmm. for what is a reasonable explanation so that people can uh, discard all this crazy nonsense. Yeah. And, and that's why it's also, also so good to inform people about it and to update about it. Yeah. But yeah, we still have to stay critical and, and keep our critical thinking machines going. <laughs> mm -hmm. And for that, science communication is very important, in my opinion. Someone who does science communication really well in German um, is Janusz Hegedusz. Despite his name sounding very Hungarian, <laughs> Anders would say now. We yes. talked about that before, right? Yes, yes. Um, that's because he is Hungarian. But he does his videos in German um, on YouTube. And this is basically just a little shout out to his um, latest mm -hmm. video about Sukharit Bhakti. Bhakti is also someone we mentioned before. So it seems that we're giving a lot of updates today mm -hmm. and recaps. So Sukharit Bhakti is the guy who got infamous during the pandemic. He's a... Thai German microbiologist and became prominent for claiming that the pandemic was fake. 
and that the vaccines would decimate the world's population. <laughs> Although uh, he was a professor at the University of Mainz for medical microbiology. So he wasn't anyone who decided to tell people about science but didn't have any education or so. Like He was a professor. Mm. Now, his latest chapter is out where he's basically having all the different claims and um, also as, as a new video out. And there, uh, it's not only about the COVID pandemic anymore and about the vaccination. He is full on into conspiracy theories, talking about Bill Gates, <laughs> New World Order, and so Jesus. on. Mm. So he's even further in the trenches, so to say. And that's why it's so important what Dr. Janusz Hegedusz is doing, because he actually looks at the video and the new book by Sugarit Bhakti and went through a lot of trouble to look at smaller clips and to just show what Sugarit Bhakti claims and why it's wrong. So, um, no, yeah, it's, it's a good, good watch. And yeah, you have to speak German to watch it. But you can learn German to watch it <laughs> while watching it. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, just a big recommendation from my side. <laughs> right. Okay, so last among the news, I will bring up something that we have actually haven't talked about yeah. before. Oh, you and will bring uh, the mood down massively. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. I, well, I don't know if to laugh or cry about this, but this is starts with Trump, actually. And it's about the terrible things that are going on down in um, Israel at the moment with the Hamas mm. attacks and the full-on war that they are seeing there. But of course, Trump wanted to, to be in on something. And he said that maybe these uh, Palestinians are using American weapons and uh, maybe they got them from Afghanistan. And that is not impossible, I guess. That's not the big crazy thing. But there is another person, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is a congresswoman and she is, I would like to say, she is a nutcase. I've heard a lot of things of, of her before and I've heard it said that she is not there because she has any competence, but only because she promotes the kind of uh, conspiracy theories that the, some part of the Republican Party wants to hear. She said, maybe it is from Afghanistan or maybe Ukraine is supplying Hamas with American weapons. And that is, I, I, I've, of course, I don't have any evidence pro or against this at all. But it so suits the Republican Party's quest to try to stop because the Republican Party is only about America, right? It's just mm -hmm. make America great again as if it ever was. And then they want to stop all export, uh, all support to Ukraine. For some reason, Republican Party in the US, especially the right wing part, seems to take Putin's side all the time, which is very, very crazy. So Ukraine needs all the weapons they can get their hands on. Why would they export them to Hamas and help them start a, a, a new war over there? They, ha they are busy enough as it is. They wouldn't do that. And it's only because of taking political points with uh, the right-wing Republican Party. We don't usually talk about American politics here. But since this is a myth about Europe and about Ukraine, now once this cat's out of the bag, I'm sure we will hear this from other people as well. And it's uh, crazy. 
Yeah, it's something that takes so many shortcuts and roads and it's it's so weird, but also interesting to see. And yeah, thank you, Pontus, for talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That concludes the news. And that means we have to find out who has been really wrong or really right this week. I want to talk about um, something that almost insulted me personally. <laughs> oh, boy. I would get I'm personal here. I'm very emotionally invested in that. Mm -hmm. When I was young, there were a few TV shows I watched. And among that was Die Sendung mit der Maus, which literally translates the show with the mouse. Or often just colloquially called Die Maus, the mouse. <laughs> And it's a German children's TV show. It's very popular. I would say like more than nationwide accepted and popular. It started mm -hmm. in 1971. So really a staple <laughs> of German kids TV. They're, they're way older than me. <laughs> you know, they're older than my husband. <laughs> it was always exciting to watch. And I still sometimes watch it with my daughter. She loves the mouse. Like she has a plush toy called the mouse so you know how emotionally invested i am now and mm -hmm. they sometimes do something on the 3rd of october which in germany is a national holiday tag der deutschen einheit day of unity and there they do what they call die mouse Türöffner tag this is where the sending with the mouse basically open the doors to Uh, businesses and firefighters and uh, like just imagine it like things where people kids normally can't go to they open it and they list where you can go so mm -hmm. um, you can go to the firefighters of cologne or you can go to the police station in whatever Düsseldorf. <laughs> yeah so they don't just do it on tv you could no, actually no, no, go to your Ex local yeah, exactly okay oh And it's, I think they sometimes go to like a waste uh, dump or whatever. Like the very, a lot of different, um, like just imagine anything that can open, have open doors. They list <laughs> okay. government, uh, things, any, anything. You name it, uh, they will go. But that means if you're listed by this, it's also giving you a bit of credibility and a bit of legitimization. And sure. now, They opened the doors um, among a lot of other things. I think several thousand doors <laughs> were opened. And among other things, they opened the homeopathy lab of Pflüger Pharma in Reda-Wiedenbrück. Hmm. So, yes. <laughs> so um, 40 kids in the age of 6 to 12 could do a exciting treasure hunt with creating globules, homeopathic globules. Sugar pills. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not only do they do Schüsslersalze there, which is also an alternative medicine, but also doing globules. And that's, of course, very problematic because it's giving them A, legitimization that they don't deserve, and B, it's completely uncritical to take kids there and to show it among um, firefighters and people who are actually doing a good job. <laughs> Yeah. And deserve to be like honored and deserve to show their good work. And they were criticized of that, um, of course. Among the criticizers was Oliver Rautenberg. He was, I think, one of the first ones, if not the first one to pick it up and criticized mm -hmm. the mouse a lot. So, so just for listeners, who is that? 
Yeah, Oliver Rautenberg is also called anthroblogger or anthroblogger. He is very well informed with anthroposophy and is also never endingly active about it. He has a blog called Anthroposophy Blog. <laughs> yeah, there he's talking a lot about anthroposophy and Rudolf Steiner, who um, founded anthroposophy. Made it up. Yes, yes, exactly. Founded is maybe a bit too nice. Yeah, and he was one of the first ones, if not the first one, to criticize Die Maus about that. And they actually came back with, well, it's important for us that everyone can talk about things and that uh, we are open and that we're neutral. Yeah, yeah. so so that the six-year-old kids can make up their own mind of what's working or not. Yes. No, I don't think yes. so. That's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. They did say that the laboratory were told to not tell them like oh it's just working really well but of course if you you certainly will won't open the lab there and tell them oh this is actually woo <laughs> what do they think they will do there yeah yeah <laughs> the thing is it's not only that they also opened the doors to a biodynamic farm where Aww. kids can could bury magic cow horns so that they could take cosmic rays and then isn't it supposed to be during full moon I don't know, but here they uh, could, apparently. So Okay. <laughs> it should be, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the first time they were criticized. They had a wooey expert holding an alternative help against cancer into the camera. So that was also not good. But yeah, I think this was one of the biggest publicly criticized things of, of the mouse. It also got picked up by a satirical magazine called Postillon, which is uh, something like England is called The Onion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so this is like... It's a satirical site. Yeah, it's a satirical site that picked that up. And they said, oh, yeah, and the next time they will open the doors with what we call Enkeltrickbetrüger. <laughs> Enkeltrick is the one, um, if you claim to be someone's grandson or granddaughter and you want their money, and then you oh, you have to send me 200 euro to this oh, account. Okay. And so it was, of course, a joke. Mm. But yeah, there you could see that it got picked up on a bigger scale. And yeah, they got criticized for that a lot, deservedly, I would say. So for normally educating kids, but here help kids create pseudo-medical remedy and to risking losing their own authenticity and trust, I will give this week's prize for being really wrong to Sendung mit der Maus. Hmm, that seems very well deserved. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that concludes the show, but... Of course, I can't let anyone go without a quote. Yes, well, of course, we are Europe-based, but we're all in one planet. So I thought it only fitting to get a quote by a very famous European-American scientist, Albert Einstein, about peace. So I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I agree with some of it. The quote is at Esco's. Nothing that I can do or say will change the structure of the universe. But maybe by raising my voice, I can help the greatest of all causes. Goodwill among men and peace on earth. End quote. What do you think about that, Pontus? I, I don't know if 
goodwill among men and peace on earth is anything that we will ever really truly experience. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I do agree that we should know as much as we can yeah. about how the universe works. Yes, and it cannot exactly. be bad to know how the world really is uh, working. And I think it's um, that's the one thing. And the other thing is I think it is important to raise your voice if you see even little unfair things happening. But also if you see big bad things that happening, if you see discrimination, racism, any kind of body shaming, or even violence, if you see that, raise your voice because that's what can help to eventually achieve peace on earth which is as you said something that feels hypothetical in a week like this yeah it does but i mean we we shouldn't stop trying and i would rephrase it and i say if you can speak up please Mm -hmm. do so yes not everybody in a position in a position where they can do that and that's understandable but if you can you should try yeah, 100%, yes. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's enough non-medical advice from this show. <laughs> Thank you, Pontus, for doing this show with me. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Andras, if you're listening to this, please come back. <laughs> and that means we're at the end of the show. Thanks to our listeners for coming back week after week. And I'm excited to talk to you again. And until then, until next week, goodbye. Hello. Tschüss. Wieslat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. I think my internet might be a bit Something seems to happen, yeah. Are you back? Uh, I think so. Yeah, you're super delayed, actually. It's not me. <laughs> uh, Pontus always arrives exactly when he means to. Oh, hello, Whatever Gandalf. <laughs> I just want to check. <laughs> we have this ice cream van that comes, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, they play a special uh, tune from a, mm-hmm. a horn. Yeah. On the street, I heard it before, but now it seems to have. Okay. Sometimes if you I hear just... it, let me know <laughs> because it goes we'll into the microphone. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I mentioned before that uh, in 1994, the big ship. Do 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 do. Fucking hell! <laughs> that was, I think, one of the longest rants I've ever done on this show. <laughs>
I'm very invested in my kids' shows. <laughs> <laughs> Bluey is better. 